Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode on Beyond the Bikini Radio. So today is a repost from my good friend, David. He did interview me for his YouTube channel, and he does a series called Iron Sharpens Iron, where he interviews people who are involved with competing and also online coaching. Today's discussion, I chat more on how I got involved with fitness, competing, how I started my business, how I grew my business, and my thoughts on the bikini division and how things are evolving and changing. So one last thing, guys, if you found that this episode was helpful, I would love if you would screenshot it and share it on your Instagram. Don't forget to tag me at Nicole Ferry Fitness. It makes me happy seeing that you guys are enjoying and loving the podcast. And one last thing, the only way we grow here on Beyond the Bikini Radio is through ratings and reviews. So if you could take a moment to give Beyond the Bikini a five-star rating and a review, I would greatly appreciate it. And all of David's information is down below. Tune in, guys, and enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode seven now of this Iron Sharpens Iron series and um, have a really special guest today, uh, Nicole Ferrier. And what this series is all about is bringing together the physique and strength community, um, giving the athletes, giving the coaches, giving the educators a voice back. Um, I think there's a lot of misinformation being spread today. I think that people need to hear what really goes into things like prep, um, starting your own coaching business, um, going back to school for education, all this stuff that's really important. Um, and so I like to bring, I'm bringing people on to hear that I feel, first of all, know what they're talking about, which is very important. Um, and number two, that I respect the way that they go about handling their social media, handling their competition. Uh, prep, handling the way they uh, coach clients, stuff like that. So I wanted to bring you on here because for those of you guys that don't, Nicole, no, don't know Nicole, it's kind of hard to say actually, um, she is a bikini competitor. Um, you have been competing for a few years now, right? Yes, I started competing back in 2015. I did my first competition um, and I was 19 during my first prep and competed at 20. So like I had just turned 20 when I did my first show. So what got you into it? And to begin with, so, you, like you were a gymnast before, right? Mm -hmm. I was used to being in the gym, like a gymnastic style gym for at least 20 hours a week. And after gymnastics, um, with that sport, when you get older, a lot of facilities don't have the insurance to work with the athletes um, because it's just a high risk sport. Okay. So a lot of facilities won't coach anyone over, you know, like the age of 20. Um, I was allowed to like still train a little bit, but I wasn't allowed to be competitive. And it was really hard for me because I like to compete and I like to have a goal to strive for. It almost felt like I was doing all these routines for, for what, just to be perfect, you know, like wasn't right. really accomplishing anything. Yeah. That's really so, interesting. I didn't know that about gymnastics. Yeah. Actually, to be honest, I don't know much about gymnastics. And um, I thought that pretty much like once you got out of high school, like 
I never even knew that you could still go like compete and practice with a team or a facility like that. Like I thought it was either college or you stop, you stop doing it. So. Yeah. So you can compete for like the AAU. You can do like an adult league. Um, I was fortunate enough to work at a gymnastics facility so I could um, get some extra training in. she just, we had a good relationship together. She kind of saw me grow up. Yeah. Um, and she's like, Hey, like, I know that you still want to do this. So if you want to flip around for fun, like I won't charge you anything just because you're an employee. So yeah. I was able to, you know, train and kind of get, get a little bit of added, I guess, energy out, but it's so hard when you like love a sport so much like that, especially when you dedicate your, basically your whole life to it because you can't do other sports with gymnastics. It's like you do gymnastics and you don't do anything else because your practices again are you know, four hours a day on top of school. So you don't really have a life. Um, so it was really hard for me to like let go of gymnastics. And then plus with coaching, um, I was, that's like all I thought about. So what, at what age did you start picking up gymnastics? I was late. So I was 11, but I advanced very quickly in the sport. I got to a optional level, which is like the higher level of gymnastics within my first three years of doing the sport, which was considered very quick. Yeah. Um, especially at that age, because you're going through, for females, you're going through puberty, so your body's changing very rapidly. It's hard for people to pick up that sport when you are growing an inch every year and you are developing as a female. It can kind of throw off your, your um, biomechanics, um, but I was able to do really well. Um. It strikes me as pretty kind of an interesting uh, kind of a uh, correlation between gymnastics and competing because even though gymnastics is a team sport, it's a very individual thing as well. And do you think that's probably what made you like drew you into competing is that it's all on you, right? Like like you are yeah. so used to already being self-driven. Um, being out there on your own, competing on your own, things like that. Is that what kind of drew you to physique sports? Yeah, I, I learned to take responsibility. And responsibility if I fell, responsibility if I did something wrong, responsibility if I didn't show up for practice. Like, I, that sport is so hard. Like, we were used to, in a way, kind of being punished with conditioning and training if we were even like 15 minutes late to practice like you got in trouble so i was used to extreme discipline yeah yeah that's really interesting um i think if i remember right i, I think i was maybe like six or seven i tried gymnastics for like a few months it was one of those where you like tried a few sports here and there to see what you liked and i couldn't do it i was like short and fat at the time though so like it just wasn't <laughs> for me but um so, okay, so that's really interesting. For those of you guys that don't know, uh, Nicole has a, a great uh, podcast, Beyond the Bikini, right? That's the name of it. Mm -hmm. um, that we actually did an episode a few weeks ago um, about like body image, eating disorders, things like that. I highly recommend you guys go check it out. I'm going to link everything below. Um, so we're not going to like touch too much into that right now because I want people to drive and go listen to that pod uh, podcast. That was an awesome conversation. Definitely one I think should get shared a lot. Um, and we'll, we'll take that deep into that again at some point, but what, um, when you first started competing, when you first made that kind of 
jump from gymnastics to competition or uh, bikini competition. What were some things that you probably didn't know going into it? Like when you got into it, what were some of the shockers that were like, holy shit, I didn't know that this was going to happen? I think, well, one thing that was really exciting for me when I first started, and this was when right before like bikini really boomed, which I would say was like 2017, I was young. I was like, wow, I'm a baby. I was like, I'm the youngest person here. And I felt great about it because in gymnastics, I was always old. So this sport, I was like, I literally can do this for the rest of my life. And the older I get, the better it's going to get versus gymnastics was the complete opposite. The older you get, the worse you're going to get, you know? So I was super excited with that. Now going into like mistakes, I guess, my first prep was a mess. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I didn't really know that there were coaches out there. Did you have a coach? But Yeah, I just kind of would copy what other girls were doing um I think I was eating around like 14 1500 calories and with me and my body like now like I know that that's not aggressive enough to get me to stage conditioning um my training wasn't programmed properly I just was kind of a mess um <laughs> my tan was a mess my hair and makeup was a mess my suit wasn't super glammed out like it should have been um, it was still like a nice suit, but it just wasn't to the caliber it is now. So then when I was backstage, I'll never forget like seeing some girls that were in true conditioning. And I thought to my head, I'm like, how is that possible? Like, I've never seen a person look that lean before. And my brain was just like exploded. I just didn't understand how oh, a female could have like capped shoulders and right. like basically capped glutes. And <laughs> yeah. So that really blew my mind. Um, but I remember competing. I took like seventh place and I had fun. So that's really all I cared about. I also realized it's really expensive. So I started to work a little bit more um, because I had always worked a lot in college. So I worked like two part-time jobs and I had just like um, a handful of clients through online, just like college girls that saw me training at the gym, because at the time I really was like the only girl lifting. So I'd always have girls come up to me saying like, well, like, what are you doing? Like, how are you lifting? How are you doing this? And um, I would charge them like 35 bucks a month yeah. <laughs> to give them a little bit of advice. No, that's, that's perfect. That actually transitions well into uh, one of the main things that I wanted to bring you on here for is because I see what you're doing with your coaching and your business model and stuff like that. And I think it's really important for people to hear how you can take this passion that you love and actually build it into a career. You know, obviously I'm in the same boat as you with that, but um, I've, I really like your strategy, what seems like your strategy and, and kind of the content you produce. So walk us through a little bit about how Nicole was when she started coaching and how you transitioned and how you grew and developed into, you know, the coach you are right now. Yeah. Well, number one, I will say this is the long game. Um, I see a lot of people who want to get into coaching and not to knock on like masterminds, but it's going to take time. And plus you have to be really passionate about it and you can't fake passion. I think everyone that I've worked with when I first started, they saw how much I loved what I was doing. I mean, I'm still in con contact with these women now um, and we've just become good friends. And 
like my first ever client even just texted me the other day and was like, thank you for the at-home workouts. Like it's just about creating um, relationships with people. And when I first started, I would say my downfalls were feeling like I couldn't make it a full-time job. Um, I felt like I was going to school to get a traditional style job. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in exercise science, my minors in nutrition and business management. I thought I'd go into more so like sports management. Um, and I, I did have a full-time job at a gymnastics facility as a rec, rec, recreational director. So I was in charge of all like the rec programming and even their marketing on Instagram. And yeah, I, um, I feel like what really helped me was starting to really focus in on people who were doing it for their full-time job and kind of, not I don't want to say copying, but looking at the sort of content that they were producing. So I really shifted my Instagram from making it about me in 2015 to making it about others and helping others since 2016. Um, I think, I don't even know how many posts I have on my Instagram, but I've been posting like every single day since 2016. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge key right there is consistency. And um, I, I have not since 2016, but probably since about 2017, late 2017, same thing. I, I got 3000 plus posts. Like some days I remember at the beginning I was making like two or three posts a day for a while, not really understanding the you know, the Instagram game and everything, but how have you seen, since you started 2016, how have you seen the growth of coaching through Instagram change? Like, yeah, well, I'll say that just because someone has a lot of followers doesn't mean they have a lot of clients. So that's something that I've learned. I've seen a lot of people with hundred K plus followers, and I know that they're struggling in their business. Um, so if you don't have a huge following, let's say you even have a thousand people, if you had a traditional gym and you had a thousand people walk into your gym, that's plenty of customers. Yep. So it's not just about followers. Um, I've learned that everybody has an expertise too. I always hear that the coaching industry is too saturated. No. Okay. There's not every coach is made for every client. And I know for me, I've only hired male coaches and it sounds weird, but like, I would only really want a male coach. I don't necessarily want a female coach. Whereas I know a lot of females. Personality or yeah. is it so much just your personality? You like that, like type coach or. Mm -hmm. I think that I find men just kind of get to the point and I don't really need the yeah. empathy, if that makes sense. No. Not to say that men aren't empathetic, but I feel like sometimes women need more of an emotional touch with coaching, which I feel like that's what I offer, which uh -huh. is funny because that's not what I need. Yeah, um, that, is, that is kind of ironic, but I know, I know what you're talking about as far as the male, you know, the directness and stuff, because that's how I coach. Not rude, not condescending. I'm just like, I'm here to tell you the, the points because it's going to help you get to where you want to get to. And I've had very, I've had quite a few of my female clients like emailing me back, like after 10 or 12 weeks into it, I was like, I really appreciate that directness and everything. Cause that's some, what I really love it, you know, but I know other clients, like the women, some women that I work with, if I were to be direct with them, it would make them crumble, you know? Yeah. And that's would shut another down. important thing is, is I don't know if you did it during college. I, I did in both my undergrad and during my master's program. Uh, we took psychology courses 
And that is a huge part of coaching now. It's not just, it's not just the numbers, right? You have to know what makes your client tick and what doesn't, how you can Mm -hmm. push them and nudge them a little bit more and everything. So how has like, how has your approach changed in the four years or so that you have been coaching? Have you always been the Nicole now, or did you kind of develop that along the way? So I will say that I've changed a lot. I'm changing at a very rapid pace and I don't think change is bad. Even who I am two years ago is completely different to who I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, I I've changed, but I've changed for the better. And I've been, I give so much free content away. So that's the biggest thing that's changed is so many platforms of content, like podcasts, Instagram, um, doing graphics through Instagram because you can save those having a Facebook community where I'm doing lives and I do lives on Instagram. Like I do so much for free to share with others and just help them. I feel like before I was too shy to like go out and just speak up and I wouldn't even, if they had story back in 2015, I would not be on it because I'd be scared. But now you see me on my story all day, every day, and I don't even care if I have makeup on or makeup off. Like I'm going to show my face where before I wouldn't. Yeah. Same way. Like I'm not, I'm not good enough at editing and doing all that stuff. Like when I make my videos, when I do also like it's raw, it, it's who yeah. I think it's really important that um, everybody, every coach understands who they are, what niche they have. You said before, you know, like, you have this niche and you like coaches to certain niches and stuff. And there, there is um, room for a lot of different coaches in this industry. I don't, I agree with you. I don't think it's a saturated industry. I think there are a lot of coaches, but everybody has a different approach. Everybody has a different style. There are so many people in this world that need coaches and we need to be able to connect with, you know, the one that fits us. Right. I've, I've had people that, have inquired to me and we've talked and realized, you know, I'm probably not the right fit for you. I actually literally just had an inquiry about somebody with struggling with some, some really bad um, GI issues. Um, they've been seeing doctors and they need like a nutritionist and you know, that's, I'm not a registered dietitian. That's not my wheelhouse. So I sent them to our registered dietitian on team BioLane, Keith, and hopefully they're going to work out. But I think that it's really important and you gain a lot of, trust with people through social media and all that when you are willing to be real um it, it when you don't know something and be able to connect them with people that they might be able to work with because i think it i think everything comes back to you yeah you are like that um you seem like you are like that with your coaching you're very you know with your social media i should say i guess you are very natural you are very honest and i think people respect that you and and I think it's definitely showing yeah and I appreciate that so much before I was just really scared to again like share my voice and I think a lot of people feel that way um but realize that your opinions matter like there is no right and wrong way to go about things like you'll hear me express my opinion all the time I'm sure that there's people out there that don't like me but that's okay I realize that I'm not meant to be liked by everyone and I'm not trying to be liked by everyone yeah. and I think once you let go of that you just feel really liberated you think that would probably be your number one piece of advice for anybody trying to get into the coaching game now oh for sure and even including like your parents like if your parents are telling you not to do this like yeah. who cares like yes you are you know your blood but mm-hmm. you have to follow your heart because the worst thing I think is just wondering what if 
or feeling like you're going to start at a certain time and then it hits that time and you aren't happy because you, you kind of let yourself down. Um, and I see people do this with so many things in their life where they think they need to be married or have kids at a certain time. And it's like, just stop timing everything. Like just, if you want something, take action now, because if I were to listen to my parents, like, honestly, like with everything going on right now, I probably wouldn't even have a job right now. So I'm happy I did listen to myself because I am able to support myself and do what I love every day. I don't feel like I'm working. Um, I'm happy. I'm not depressed anymore working for someone else. And I wouldn't have been here if, again, I would have listened to other people. Yeah, that's so important. I, I'm 35 and I thought I would be doing this 12, 13 years ago. Uh, life kind of went in a different direction, joined the army. You know, I kept pushing, trying to, I was one of those people where I was like, you know, I'm going to have to be married by this time. I'm going to, I'm going to have kids by have this time. Have all your ducks in a row. Yeah, I'm a very type A personality. I always have been, even before the military. I like structure. And I had to learn that the more I was forcing it, the less it was happening. And, you know, went through some shit there for a little bit in my mid to, you know, late twenties, early thirties. And then when I stopped forcing stuff is when things started happening. And, and I totally, totally agree with that point of view. Um, so let's, let's transition a little bit out of the coaching and everything. And I want to talk a little bit about being a competitor, being a bikini competitor, what do you see the differences between when you started in, in 2015, 16, 2016, 2015, 15. What do you notice different about the division now? Uh, there's a lot that has changed. And I think there's a lot of people that are just now getting into the, you know, to the competing realm of it and seeing bikini and bikini is not now what it was four years ago. Yeah. So what what um, takes on that? And do you like the route that it's going or yeah. kind of expand upon what you're thinking? Well, I first want to say like the definition of bikini when it first started was like sports illustrated cover fit girl. But now what bikini is, is not attainable. It's not, nobody looks like that naturally. It requires so much effort, so much precision. And the physique is amazing in bikini. I I think that it is super impressive. Um, but with my own competing career, I mean, I was, you know, two points away from a pro card and not two points, I'm sorry, four, four places away from a pro card at junior nationals in 2018. I think if I were to compete with that same conditioning in 2019, they would say you're way too small, you know? Yeah. Um, 2016, 2017, I always took, top top two always and this past 2019 I had a show I didn't even place at mm. and that was a big ego check for me because I had always been one of the best I was like and I'm from Ohio so like there's not that many shows in Ohio and I was known to be that really good competitor and right. it was a really hard like ego kick for me seeing that this division is changing even down to the posing posing hair makeup like everything was changing and I felt like between 2017 to 2019 it like completely the, the whole division has completely changed and to say that I don't like it would be a lie like I do like the evolution going on but I will say it's very very hard it's challenging and as someone who 
has like super long muscle bodies and I don't gain muscle easy. Nobody gains muscle easy, but in particular, I feel like how my body is shaped for me to look that bubbly and cool and muscular, it's going to take a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what has led me to taking a little over a year off for this upcoming year. That was, that was what I was going to ask. I I know that you're not competing this year and everything. Oh, I don't know Mm -hmm. if anyone's competing this year, to be honest. Um, unfortunately we'll see how that works out. But, um, what, what are the goals from this point on? What are some things from your last show that you got feedback on that they're like, Nicole, this is what you need to work on. This is, you know, all this stuff. And what, what has been your game plan going into this off season? So I'll be honest, I was a chronic competitor. Like I just would compete. I've done 18 MPC shows. Um, Since 2000. Yeah. Yep. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Your body on this break then. I was just a trophy collector. I just would go to all the regional shows and collect trophies. I would go to national shows um, and I would get like usually like a second call out. Um, Junior USA, we got seventh not bad i've got top 10 a handful of times arnold classic got top 10 i was good but i wasn't great and so i realized that in 2019 my stubbornness couldn't win because my body gave up um which was again another really hard ego thing for me because i thought that you can just work through this like you're just making excuses and it got to a point where my meat was super high. My cardio was super high. My calories were super low. Um, refeeds were even super low and my body just wasn't happy. Um, I was getting sick in summer. I had the flu in July. Um, uh, yeah. So I was getting all this feedback from my body. And then I noticed that my muscularness, like the fullness to my physique was diminishing. And we both know that with chronic dieting and over exercising it can lead to muscular atrophy and I'm like I don't want to be at a point where I dwindle away and lose all my muscle mass that I worked for so I decided to um, jump into my reverse and it was hard because my body um, put on weight pretty quickly despite my calories being low and again like I know a lot of women and even men out there like they might have have experiences where they're hitting their reverse but their body is putting on weight rapidly Mm -hmm. i want to let you know like you're not a failure okay like everybody's body's going to respond differently and i um it was very interesting to me to see how i was gaining weight quickly at like 15 1500 calories um and still you know hitting like 15,000 steps a day still training hard it's like mind-blowing to me um but i had to kind of just let my body gain weight And even with where I'm at now, like I'm definitely outside of my comfort zone or that 10 pounds above stage weight. And that's okay because I, I know that, um, what's beneficial with fat tissue is you can have like a healing mechanism with that. Um, as a female, you need that to level out your estrogen, um, and get your cycle back and for recovery. So fat tissue isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, But again, I think sometimes like this season of my life, I'm learning that it's okay to be uncomfortable and to not always be in control um, and to understand because I'm still to this day, like very confused, but I also understand that with what I did in 2019, I really pushed myself so hard that this is, this is honestly years of chronic dieting and trying to do some healing now. 
Right. I think it's, I think it's, um, you know, a good lesson that you're probably going through because you can help relate that to your clients a lot more. Like, listen, Mm -hmm. this is what I did. (laughs) I went very extreme and it's not really working out so much right now for me the way that I expected. So you can kind of teach them this is we need to slow down a little bit and that kind of actually leads into a question I wanted to ask because um, there are so many girls today that are afraid to take a year off and Uh I have a couple different theories behind that and I definitely think one of them is because they're using it to obviously their career right they want to do that that's great I also have a theory that I think women tend to compete a lot quicker or a lot more often and everything when they're younger because I think they're afraid that when they want to have a baby when they want to get pregnant that their competition career is over so I think they're I think they kind of see this window of you know maybe early 20s to mid to late 20s as like their window and then it's all over after that which I don't think it has to be um But what are some of, I mean, I guess you've kind of just went over a little bit, but what is your take on women that are trying to compete and do, you know, five or six shows a year and not taking any time off? What, what would you tell them? Would you tell would you advise them to do that and just get what you can now? Or would you advise them to kind of look at it in the longer picture, the longer yeah. picture? I would say that first off, six months is not an off season. Um, although it seems long, it's not long. Um, and that's not going to be enough time to put on muscle, like enough tissue. Um, the other thing is you have to consider what your goal is. If your goal is just to compete, to do a show, okay, that's fine. But right. if you want to compete and be good at the sport and maybe you know become a pro, like I know for myself, I want to become uh, IFBB bikini pro, then you need to have size and you need to have a muscular base. And unfortunately, a lot of women don't have that, um, naturally, if they didn't do athletics or they weren't in the weight training room, like all through their high school years and even college years. So you probably don't have that base. Um, and so that's when you have to ask yourself, like, what do I really want want to accomplish? And if you haven't done a show yet, and you're trying to decide if you want to compete or not, ask yourself, have I been eating enough calories? So that's going to be more than 1800 calories, like every single day. Am I doing tons of cardio right now? Um, Have I been resistance training and how long? And if your answer is less than eight months, I would say no, Mm -hmm. there's no way. Great advice. I mean, that's great advice. What, what would you say to a girl who says that she can't compete in NPC because she is an athlete? Do you feel like that there is a big disadvantage for natural athletes competing in NPC? I, I will agree with the NPC at, at a national level because when I've, whenever I've gone from regional level to national level, it's, it is in the sport. And I have talked about it a handful of times where both men and women are using PEDs and not to say everyone is, but, I would say that the percentage of PED use is going to go up with the level of competition. For example, your high school level athletes probably aren't using PEDs. College level, probably more. Olympic level, probably more. Or some manipulation going on. 
Right. So the higher the level, the higher the risk, the more extremes people will take. It's human nature. Um, now, if you're wanting to have more stage time, I would say maybe a natural federation would be better for you because mm-hmm. you're going to get more time like with the OCB um, and natural federations. I also do think that natural federations are more cost-friendly um, and are more family-oriented. I've noticed that. So if that's more of your approach, go for it. Um, not every federation is going to be your style. Now I know for me choosing the MPC, I want to compete with the best of the best. And maybe someone is taking drugs. That's, that's fine. Like I'm at a place where I don't really care what people do to their body. It's more so as long as they aren't hurting other people and they understand the risk that they are taking. My issue with PED use is when coaches are pushing it on their clients and not educating them. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, what somebody does or doesn't do with their their body, as long as they're not lying about it and they're not hurting somebody, like if you're trying to compete in a natural organization and you're enhanced, That's I don't cool. know that. We all know the NPC and IFBB are non-tested, so I don't have any issue with that. If if a new female competitor is watching this right now, which I hope they are, um, and they're they're trying to decide what division fits them best um i actually have a post that i'm going to make probably in a couple days that i've been working on about this about do you advise them to choose the division that they want to compete in that they love or the division that fits their body best because i i see it both ways right like you want it this is a fun sport this is what we love to do you have this vision of everybody has their favorite competitor right that you want to look like you want to be in this certain division. For females, bikini is that division. But we know there's some females that just don't have the structure for bikini. They might be a little bit better for physique, something like that, you know. How would you go about telling them or advising them what division to choose? And also, what specifically with bikini are judges looking for? Because I think that a lot of people are kind of confused because the judging criteria has changed a lot over the years. What would you say right now in 2020 is kind of the physique um, in bikini that judges are looking for, you know, cap delts, so, glutes, things like yeah, that. Yeah. For bikini, um, they want the whole package. So I would say you have to, again, have, nice hair nice makeup like other than that um you have to have personality on stage so all bikini competitors i've noticed have a personality on stage and it doesn't have to be a sexy personality it can be confident it can be graceful it can be kind of sexy if you want it to be like it can be what feels good to you um for myself like i am kind of a performer from my gymnastics background so that's easy for me to turn that on like when i'm on stage i'm a completely different person from if you meet me like at the grocery store like you'd be like that's not you but it is um it's like you're so, playing a character up there on stage yeah, yeah for sure because you're not going to be able to stand out because everybody has a gorgeous suit on gorgeous hair gorgeous makeup great physique everybody has that what makes you different you know you have to have personality up on stage. And if you watch like a pro level competition, like you see all these different amazing physiques, but you see certain posing that you're like, that pops, that's different. 
that's eye catching. Right. And it's entertainment at the end of the day. Yeah. Do you consider, this is a, this is an interesting question. Actually, I, I heard this on another podcast earlier, so I can't completely take credit for this question, but I think it's an interesting one. Do you look at physique sports as a sport or as a beauty pageant? Like, how do you view it? Because there's a lot of people on different, different sides of this, right? Like they're athletes, the sport, the competition, but a lot of people say that there's not enough, uh, there's, there's too much subjectivity to it to actually consider a sport. Now, now where do you fall on that? I would look at it like a independent sport. So that would just be again, like figure skating, gymnastics, diving, because it's subjective by nature. There's yeah. a judging panel because even if you're watching figure skating, you know, you got judges and they're judging you and maybe someone saw something in their eye that seemed a little bit off whereas the other person thought they looked good. You know, you're going to have a bias in place. And just because there's a bias doesn't mean that it's not a sport. It's just about your perception. And you could even use that for football. I mean, they flag balls all the time where we don't think that they should be flagged. Um, so there is going to be subjectivity to any sport. Now, I do think people get thrown off because looks are a part of it, but that is the sport because the sport isn't just the look of the day. The sport is the years of weight training. That's where the, the practice is. So that the sport requires years and years of practice, years and years of training to perform. So right. the performing is the posing and is the flexing. So that to me, it is a sport. You know, I really like that breakdown, actually. You mentioned something that, that I hadn't thought of as far as, you know, throwing the flags in football or calling a foul in, in basketball. Like, there is a lot of subjectivity to sports that, you know, I wasn't even thinking about. So that's really interesting. Um, something I, I, you know, that's kind of foreign to me because I'm a, I'm a male is how important and how integral it is, the hair, the makeup, the mm -hmm. like in your opinion just talk about that aspect of competing because that's something that when I have female competitors come to I I shove them off like I say here's someone that you might want to ask because I don't know that even even as a coach like I can't tell you I can't tell you oh, so if that was the that? service I would love to offer that just to go over hair and makeup yeah. um state wise even it goes down as much as hair color. So hair color, blondes, your, your hair is going to flash back with the lights. It's not as appealing as darker hair, okay? Mm -hmm. Little details like that. Hair length, you don't want too long to cover your back or the top of your glutes. You also might not want it too short if your back isn't developed. Um, makeup is huge. So you want your face to look healthy. You want it to look glowing. You want it to look like your eyes look alive and unfortunately with dieting sometimes your eyes don't look as lively and your face can look a little bit gaunt and you don't want that on stage you want to look healthy um so i would say it's huge and also like little details too to where like your hair falling on your suit is it covering your suit too much mm -hmm. um that can be an issue uh it could cover some of your shape you know i've seen girls where their delts are super developed they take their hair they put it to the side to cover a little bit of their delt they turn pro because their critique was too much delt take the hair cover it a little bit you can get away with a couple things so that happened to one of my good friends um 
So hair and makeup is super important and it brings everything together. Um, if you're spray tanning your face, if your makeup, if your eye makeup is matching your suit, it doesn't look good. So I would say if you don't know how to do makeup, either practice or this would be the area where I'd say invest $150, get the makeup done um, so you don't have to worry about it because it'll take a lot of stress off of you and plus you're just going to feel really confident. I just have to say I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, I'm thankful. I, I, I respect the hell out of you guys for that because there's so much more for females that go into competing than just mm -hmm. the training and the posing that men don't have to really worry about. Of course, like if you're doing men's physique, you're gonna you, you need to do you need to pick the right board shorts, you need to, you know, do mm -hmm. stuff like that. But it's not nearly to the extent that you guys so have to some men are starting to get just like a foundation done to like make their skin tone evened out yeah. sometimes men will shave so like that's a little bit like cosmetic um one other thing i want to touch upon is just with women thinking they need a like a breast augmentation you don't need one to be a successful bikini competitor um i didn't have one until 2018 after my season i placed better in 2018 than 2019 and if you think it's an augmentation it's not do you, do you mind me asking what led you to go down that road? Yeah. Um, I think that through years of competing, um, I was a little insecure with where my body loses uh, body fat. I lose a lot of body fat within my midsection, back, my chest. Okay. So it got to a point where I like had a lot of vascularity through my chest. I had like squared off pecs. Mm. It just didn't make me feel good. Um, a lot of my clothes and sports bras didn't fit correctly. And even throughout gymnastics, like it was always something that I was a little insecure with. So I decided to um, get a breast augmentation because I wanted it for me. And even if I'm not competing, like it just, it makes me feel confident. Like, and not to say that you need it as a female, like if you don't have boobs and that's fine um you don't need them to feel confident but i know for me it's something that's made me feel a little bit better with my shape um i felt like my legs were super developed it just kind of balanced me out a little bit but if you like whatever size you are just be happy with where you're at and don't feel like you have to go under the knife and i know that a lot of women too are getting their implants out because of um breast implant illness and i will say like i've never experienced that but just be informed before you decide to do any sort of surgery like that. Now, is yours over the muscle or under? Under. So I will say mine has affected my training. And I, I know a lot of women say that it doesn't bother them. But for me, I went to a surgeon who is world-renowned. He's not just board certified, he's double board certified. So he's one of the best of the best. And he was even telling me, you know, like you don't really need to train your chest right now. Um, even after there's no need to because the implants underneath the muscle um, and that can cause your implant to slide over into your armpit because of the contraction going on. So when you're contracting, you know, your, your muscles are kind of pumping up and it will shift your implants a little bit over. Yeah, For me, it's uncomfortable. So when I'm doing a push-up, that's why I'm telling all these people, don't tag me in a push-up challenge because I can feel my my implants shift during the separation with the muscle and coming back together. And when you get a pump in your chest and you have implants, it feels like a lot of pressure and it's really uncomfortable. So 
it has affected my training. If you go over the muscle, um, your implant might be silicone or saline. So saline's water, uh, silicone is more of like a gummier texture. That can allow for you to train your chest, but when you get lean, you have to be worried about your skin compressing against your implant, which can cause rippling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when you can see the outline of the implant, which isn't a, a good look that a lot of women are going for. So again, consult with your surgeon. If you can't tell, I've done a lot of research with implants um, before I got them. I think that's really important to hear is that like this was not a you know, spur of the moment thing. You did your research. You understood the ramifications, I guess, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you did this for you. You didn't do this because someone told mm -hmm. you you needed to do it. Um, I, I think the judge has never told me to get an augmentation ever. I think that's really important for, for the females here to hear. And even, honestly, even the males that are listening to this that might be coaches, like, don't ever force something on your client that you think they mm -hmm. need. You know, I, in terms of augmentations, obviously, things like that. Like, yeah, really, this needs to be a personal decision. And it sounds like you did a lot of research on it. Now, what, because I, I haven't done as much research on it for various reasons, but yeah. um, which one seems to be the one that's causing more issues for the women, the, the over or under? Or is it the same? No, it's, it's not necessarily the, the implant type. It was, so there's different types of texture with your implants. So you can do smooth or textured. Textured is supposed to help stay in place. So if you were to get a lift, the textured implant would stay up to have more of like a higher profile on your chest, which is usually a look that women want. Textured implants, some have been recalled. So um, if you have textured implants, I would say you could call up your surgeon, not to say if there's anything wrong with them, but call your surgeon and ask them about um, any sort of things that are going on with the FDA there. Now it's not silicone versus um, saline um, with the breast implant illness. So what's going on it's not necessarily in medical literature either, but it's like a theory more so. And they believe that because you're putting in a foreign object that your body is continuously fighting against it to protect oh. you. So if you were to get like a knee replacement or to get in um, even females like an IUD, like that is a foreign substance in your body and what's going on is some women's bodies are fighting against it, which is causing a lot of health issues. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I know plenty of women competitors that do have them. Um, I know one that recently got, um, went like a step up, got another size. And I, I've known people that have taken them out. And I, I just think it's, um, I've always been curious about what it is that's actually, you know, causing mm -hmm. this illness. Because it seems to be a little bit more prevalent the last year or two here's the other thing though i feel like you have to take into account the whole picture so it's easy to blame just the implants but you really like if you feel like you have breast implant illness please look at all areas of your life please look at if you're struggling with anxiety and diagnose it are you treating it properly um even like digestion issues and focusing on um, over-exercising or, you know, there's so many things that you can look into that I feel like competitors are kind of tied in with that yeah. they aren't looking at because the last thing you want to do is spend, you know, 10 grand to go under and get your implants out. And then you realize, oh, it wasn't my implants, 
you know. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a very expensive mistake to be making. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many different areas that affect our health. Uh, you said it, you said it really well. Stress is a huge thing that I don't think people take enough um, enough interest in, I guess, or prevention in. Um, you know, we all have stress. Even just like placebo effect, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Even a- people right now have the cold and they're freaking out. You know, when they in reality, you just need to take a deep breath and relax a little bit. Right, right. So how are you managing this COVID-19 crisis with your clients? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I this week, I think for any online coach has been just a, a very busy week with trying to help clients maneuver around what equipment they have available to them. I know you've been putting out a lot of stuff on your Instagram as far as home workouts. Pretty much every day that I'm doing home workouts at home, I'm putting them up on my stories, things like that, and trying to create it. So, but as far as, I guess, reassuring your clients, um, I'm sure a lot of them are probably kind of freaking out a little bit, right? Because we just don't know how long this is going to last, how long we're going to be out of gyms for. I have four female clients that are supposed to be competing between May and June, and I don't know what to tell them. Like, I, I, we're staying the course with, with prep. I said, worst case scenario, you guys got a lot of good photo shoots out of this, you know? Yeah. Um, but what are some of the things that you are finding as reoccurring questions with your clients, um, either about training or nutrition during this time? Training is these at-home workouts aren't as hard as the gym. So that's been the biggest one. And that is when you need to play around with other variables like supersets, frequency, time under tension, pause sets, and focusing on range of motion. Um, you don't need that much equipment either. I just bought what's called a body boss, which is super cool. Um, if you have a door hook, some bands, if you have, you know, a set of dumbbells, you're good to go. Um, I am just focusing a lot on time under tension, which means, you know, the time to complete your rep is longer. Focus on form, like perfect form. Don't just go through the motions where you're like flying through your movements like take your time as you squat down and then come right back up um i think a lot of people because they're at home they're just kind of rushing through the workout instead of really focusing on what they're doing Um, and it's harder to focus at home but you got to create a workspace you got to figure out i'm just going to train in my living room or i'm just going to train in my garage i am going to listen to music i'm going to make sure the kids are taking a nap so they're not distracting me like you have to be creating a ritual right now at home like you would at the gym you normally have a pre-workout have a pre-workout at home if you normally have a 15 minute drive to the gym go for a 15 minute walk and then come back and start your workout so creating a ritual and making your workout fit your level of fitness is super important um, with training yeah, I, I love that, the creating the ritual. I think that's I think that's important at any time. You know, I think now it's probably even more so important because we don't have those variables that you said, you know, we don't have the intensity in the gym like we usually do. The one big thing I've been telling people is intensity is going to be coming down, but that means frequency and volume can go up a little bit more. So also a really good thing during this time, if you guys are listening to this and, you know, this unfortunate crisis is still happening. Um, really, really break down your form. Okay. There's a lot of weaknesses that people have in in squats, bench press sort of movement, break, it's time to break it down, break it down to the simplest form with just your body weight. I've noticed that, you know, 
I actually have a bit of a hip 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 shift when I squat down. So I'm using this time to really focus on going down slow, doing higher rep stuff, really drilling in that motion to try to fix that hip shift. So when I go back to squatting, the hack squat, like any of that stuff, it's fixed. So use this time as an opportunity to work on conditioning, mobility, these little yeah. little imbalances that you have in your body. I've been doing a lot of uh, single leg. Uh, single leg doing a lot more work. It's going to be huge. Isometric going to be huge. Absolutely. I, I have, I still have a, a shoulder and back injury that I'm, I'm healing up from. So this is kind of almost like a blessing in disguise. And, and that's one thing I've been trying to reiterate to people is that this is not forever. Okay. This is a small, uncomfortable time in our lives. I've been through way more uncomfortable times without a gym. This is not yeah, the, worst, approach to that. the worst thing would be to just stop training. Like, Oh, I don't have a gym. It's, that would be like throwing like a, a little fit. Like, Oh, you can't train. So you're, you're not going to train at all. That makes no sense. So do something about it because that's going to be better than nothing. And then continue to track your macros, continue to care about your nutrition. Yes. You might have to swap out some of your favorite foods for something different. Like maybe you have to try shrimp instead of chicken and, yeah. You know, or maybe you get like a Costco membership. I'm not going to lie. I just went to Costco. They have everything. So you live in America. You have so much abundance right now. Like it's going to be fine. Yeah. The other thing to remember is this is not an economic crisis that we're going through. You know, 2008 was an economic crisis. That's actually what kind of drove me into the military, to be honest. That was an economic crisis. This is not an economic crisis. It, it, it seems like it because people are want, not wanting to spend money right now. But this will recover very quickly when this health crisis is averted, right? When we get that better. So there's no need to go out and hoard stuff. Food production is not going to shut down. You know, I think that's, I think a lot of people are running into issues with not finding stuff that they're able to usually have because a lot of people are hoarding stuff thinking that, you know, they're not going to be able to get it. And that's just not the case. But Nicole, yeah. Nicole said it best, like, this is a really good time to work on flexibility work on not only flexibility with your training, but with your diet. Um, at the end of the day, is, is it going to be as perfect and optimal as it was when you're 100% on point? No, but that doesn't mean that you stop. That doesn't mean that you don't keep going. Working out, doing something physical is better than nothing. So I think you said it best there. Um, how have you been holding up? Um, I'm all right. I will say that I am more so concerned about some of my um, close friends, like losing jobs so like that's more so hard for me because it that would stress me out um so for me it's more so being worried for those people too um i am again very grateful that i do have a job and a lot of my clients still have their jobs but if a client loses a job like that hurts me like i feel for them so it's more so working with their circumstances right now um, providing a lot of extra content in my Facebook community, like the pre-workouts, doing like coaching calls with them, making sure that they stay connected. I am an introvert by nature, so I'm used to being stuck at home. I don't really go anywhere. Um, so for my personal life, it hasn't really shifted, but taking like the spotlight off myself, it's changing for a lot of people and it's affecting them. So if you are having a really hard time right now too, I always say that when you're alone, this is a good time to get to know yourself and if you're uncomfortable with yourself right now, then you have to address it and maybe, you know, change something. Absolutely. I, I know I've 
got a few clients that are, are really struggling during this time too. They're, you know, their, their jobs are not lost, but hours are very, very cut back. And, you know, money, money is an issue right now and it will pick back up once everything's done. But, um, you know, you do develop relationships. Hopefully you develop relationships with your clients. I mean, if, if you're a good coach and you're truly caring, that's important. I, I know I've told a few people that, um, you know, we're up next month for renewal and everything that, Hey, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drop you because you can't pay. Like we're going to keep working through it. And when things get better, we'll take care of a new, you know, we'll take care of a new package at that point. But you know, you do, you as a coach get hopefully, um, you know, involved with your clients and you, you gain a really good relationship with them. And I think this is just a really good time to try to help each other out as much as we possibly can. Cause everybody in one way or another is being affected. Um, and yeah. like you, I, I, my wife and I don't go out very much. We, our date nights are usually go get, you know, take out Chinese and watch Netflix at home, you know, and the, yeah. the biggest change for me is just not having the gym open, but you know, you and I, we, we work from home. Um, this is a very, you know, natural setting for us, but I do feel for a lot of people whose lives are being just 180 degrees turned around right now. And, and, you know, it, I'm sure I can speak for Nicole. If you guys have questions, you guys have anything, please reach out to us. Um, I'm going to leave all her information in the description box below. You're obviously watching my YouTube channel, so you probably know mine, but I will leave that below too. Um, I could keep you on here for probably two more hours, but I won't. I respect your time. I'm going to have you definitely on again because there's, there's so many more aspects that I want to get into with you, but I want you to just kind of take these uh, next few moments, plug whatever you want to plug, tell people where they can find you, um, all that good stuff. Yeah. So, well, anyone that's listening to this podcast, if you guys want to join a Facebook community, um, you're welcome to join mine. You just have to search Nicole Barriers FitFam, a um, bunch of free content in there and just some community support for maybe your family doesn't understand your fitness goals. So you can, you know, have a community there. Um, my podcast, Beyond the Bikini Radio. My Instagram is Nicole Barrier, um, Nicole Barrier Fitness, I should say. And then I also have TikTok. So if you guys aren't on TikTok and you need a laugh, I would recommend checking out that app. Um, it's just Nicole Farrier and Hope. And Hope's my dog. <laughs> that is something I haven't been able to get into yet is TikTok. Like I, I just don't get it yet. But I'm sure it's maybe something that's going to grow onto me here pretty soon. But thank you so much for taking the time. Guys, like I said at the beginning of this, um, we did do a podcast on her podcast a couple weeks ago. So go check that out. I think it was a great talk, but um, I can't thank you enough for sharing some of your wisdom, your insight. And like I said, I'd love to have you back on and then discuss other aspects of physique, coaching, everything in the future. So I appreciate it. Stay safe, stay healthy, uh, keep putting out the good content, right? Yes, of course. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Hey guys, on the Beyond the Bikini podcast, you know I talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be hard to hit the gym consistently, track your macros to a T, and feel like you're making progress. So rather you're a newbie in the gym or someone who's been hitting the gym consistently but possibly hit a plateau, then I recommend you check out my one-on-one coaching. No, I do not only coach prep clients, but I coach lifestyle clients as well. I would love to hear more about your goals, so feel free to apply for my one-on-one coaching down below at the link. 
There we can discuss what you're wanting to accomplish in the gym with your relationship with food and how I can help you reach your goals.